Good morning. You know, I've been here almost 29 years, and I was thinking today that you'd have to pastor somewhere at least 20 years, maybe 25 years before you'd have the guts to change service times on the week after Easter. Because the week after Easter is usually kind of a pill for, for a lot of pastors anyway. They kind of, Where'd everybody go? Was it that bad? Uh, but uh, yeah, we did change service times this morning, and I, I appreciate you guys, you guys coming. And um, we, we will keep this service time actually for next week as well. So 10, 1045 next week. Uh, one thing before I get into this. Um, you remember last week Rhonda got up and read a book? Yes. I, yeah, I was waiting for an answer. Uh, does anybody remember what the book was about? Yeah, Picnic. This, this, uh, this Wednesday night, it's going to be up at um, Hilltop Park. And, you know, rain or shine, we are waterproof people. You know, we've been baptized. So we're so just 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 come and eat and meet somebody you didn't already know. Um would you stand with me? We're gonna read a, a passage, a brief passage from James this morning as we start this new series. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the grace and the power and the life that are in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Make us alive today, Father. Take all of the Take all of the, 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 the deadness, take all of the, the dullness, take all of the, um, the lethargy that's in our lives and, and, and just do away with it, Lord. Quicken us so that we might be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. This, uh, this, this has been and is a year of transition for us corporately and also, for a number of people individually, I, I know that uh, uh, individual transition happens every year to people. But it seems like this year there's been a little more than than normal that uh, that, I've, that I've been hearing about that people uh, people have brought to me and, and talked to me about things. And um, I want to I want to talk about this just a second. Uh, tradition and transition that may seem like something that. Um, has nothing to do with prayer, but but stay with me for a couple of minutes here, and let me let me get us there. Um, our reaction to transition often is to cling to tradition. Whenever whenever transition comes along, uh, we we grasp and hold on to tradition more, so, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Tradition is not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's a thing, and it can be it can be bad or it can be good. This last Wednesday, we had uh, a service from, from our brother, Mike Gibson, who went home to be with the Lord on Good Friday. And the, there's a lot of stuff that, that I remember about Mike and will always remember about Mike. But the thing that I always think of 
when I think of Mike Gibson is, this is what we do. This is what we do. And, and what he's talking about, what he would always be talking about, were good things. You know, this is what we do. We fellowship. We, we read the word. We, we pray in faith believing. We share our faith. That's, that's, that's Mike's life. And it was tradition almost, but it was, it was real tradition, good tradition. Um, one of the things that I do every night before I go to bed is I, uh, peel an apple and read the Bible. And I'm just chomping away on my apple and reading the Bible. Now, uh, I under, I think that eating an apple is good for you, especially right before you go to bed. But, uh, I know that reading the word is good for me. And it's, it's, it, it's what I do. It's, I've done it for decades now. It's, uh, it's, it's tradition in my life. Traditionalism, on the other hand, is never a good thing. It's not just a thing. It's a, it's a, it's a life sucking, death in, infusing bad thing. I've heard, uh, tradition described as the dead, as the living faith of the dead, which it certainly can be. Traditionalism, however, is the dead faith of the living. It's just something we do, not, but, but it has, it has no, no life in it. It's the opposite of spirit and in truth. And it, and it doesn't have to be old. It can be something that's actually fairly recent, but in terms of, terms of life, just a few years or something, it, it can quickly become, we call it habits, but it's traditionalism. Um, the, uh, you, you know, the older that I get, the more you're likely to see me wander around in confusion from time to time. Uh, one of the ways that you know that you've locked into traditionalism is whenever you hear this, this phrase, but we've always done it that way. You see, now when you're, when you're young, you, you hear that and you go, yeah, that old people say that, don't they? We've always done it that way. Uh, you know, we've, we've always, you know, had a landline. We've, we've always carried cash around. We've always done a certain, and then you get old and you start saying that because that's, 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 that's your life. That's what's what, what you got going on. Uh, when I, when I first came into the ministry back, uh, when I was 32, the first week that I was in the ministry, I, I remember, uh, I don't know if it's the first day, but one of the first days of that week, I went up to Hendersonville to visit a friend of mine. Um, Lucy, Lucy Freed was her name, and she had become a youth pastor uh, about a year or two before I did. And I went up to, uh, to just, you know, get some tips. Okay, you know what? Tell, what, what have you learned so far? And I don't remember everything she said, but there was one thing that she said that absolutely just nailed me and stuck with me and has gone with me throughout the rest of my ministry. And it doesn't just apply to ministry, it applies to life. What she said was, as soon as you learn how to do this job, you're done. You're finished. Once, once you're able, once you're able to put it into, once you're able to put it into automatic pilot, then it's time, it's time for you to go home. Um, the other day I decided that I needed to buy some rubber bands. Does anybody use rubber bands anymore? Okay. We have six people here who still use rubber bands. And, 
uh, and they're not necessarily easy to find. Um, and so I, I, and I didn't even, you know, I'm kind of going, oh, I'm not sure where to get rubber bands. You can probably get them at Staples, but that's usually kind of out of my way. I don't like the traffic patterns over there and things like that. Uh, so the other day I, I just finally decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to buy rubber bands today because I've been putting it off for, for, for days because I didn't want to drive to Staples. And, and I was down in Murfreesboro and I was, and I was near Michael's. I went in Michael's. I thought this is a craft store. Michael's does not sell rubber bands. Don't go there if you're wanting to buy rubber bands. And so I thought, I bet Hobby Lobby's the same. You know, craft, nothing. They don't even have rubber bands. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go to, going to go to state. I'm going to go to Staples. I'm, they've got rubber bands. And you know what they do? You have to look for them. And not all the employees know where they are. But, but, but they do have them. And, uh, but anyway, so I'm coming back from Murfreesboro and I'm going to go to Staples and I get off the interstate, uh, and going, going to Staples, going to Staples. And the next thing I know, I'm passing Chick-fil-A. I go, I didn't go to Staples. <laughs> and, I, and I turned around and I, and I, and I went back. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh through high and drifting snow. And that's good if, it, if you're a horse. But you're not a horse. You're a person. And when you, and when you put things into, into automatic pilot, uh, sometimes you don't get up where you thought you wanted to go. Yet we need direction more than ever when we're in periods of noticeable transition. So where does that direction come from? Well, uh, for most of us, probably the first thing that we think of when we're needing direction is, I need to figure this out. Let me, let me, let me, uh, you draw on my experience, my wisdom on the things that I know, and I, I think I can probably get through this and, and figure this out. But the scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. And so there's a big caution sign there when it comes to figuring out. So then we kind of go, well, all right, if I can't figure it out, there is wisdom in the multitude of counsel. So I'll see what everybody else is doing. Go where everybody else, what majority rules, right? Follow the crowd. And yet Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate because there's a wide one and a whole bunch of people are on that, but it leads to destruction. There's a narrow one, and only a few find that, and that leads to life. And you know, we've we've uh, we generally apply this to, um, to to the gospel and to going. Okay, you know, there's only one way to heaven, and there is only one way to heaven through Jesus Christ. But let, let's broaden our thinking a little bit, and maybe apply this to life, and realize when has the majority ever been right? In Scripture, they're almost always wrong. You know, the, the, the road less traveled is generally the best one. So what other alternatives are there? Well, maybe like God, getting direction and wisdom from God. And that involves two things. It involves asking and it involves hearing. And we're going to start, uh, we're starting a seven-week series this morning on prayer. 
which is the asking part. And then we're going to go into a series on hearing how to hear from God. Now that probably sounds a little, a little more exciting than, than a series on prayer, but, uh, but that's the, uh, that's the, that's the cart and prayer is, is the horse. You don't put, I know most of you don't even know what a horse and a cart is, but, yeah, you, know, you don't. You, the, the The cart can't pull the horse. You have to build the foundation first, and so we're going to start with prayer. And prayer is a dialogue with God. It's talking with God. And and I want to today. We're ultimately going to get into the Our Father, and we'll be talking about how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. But t- today, I want to I want to just touch on a few things and be sure that we've got them settled before we go into before we go into the rest of the series. And the first thing is don't don't pray for show. Praying is not a matter of showing people that you can pray. That's not what it's about. Uh, Jesus said when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray, standing in the synagogues, on the street corners to be seen by others. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, uh, don't approach this legalistically, okay? Because he's not saying that it's that it's never right to to do a, a public prayer. Solomon's prayer of dedication to the temple, obviously something that that God approved of. Jesus, when he stood at the at the tomb of Lazarus, it prayed a public public prayer. You know. Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know you always hear me, but I'm praying this so that when this thing happens, everybody's going to know that you've been glorified. Lazarus, come forth. Public prayers are, are, uh, are, are okay. It's the motive behind the prayers, you see. And he's also not saying that if you're going to pray properly, you got to have a room. You got you to gotta have a... Uh, does that say closet? Yeah, you got to have a door. Yeah, uh, it doesn't say closet. I think the King James says closet. They, that even adds that to it. And if you don't have those, you know, how can you pray? I mean, that's a legalistic approach to it. But what he's basically saying is prayer is not a Christian merit badge. You know, it's not, it's not one of those things that you wear so that people will go, wow, you're a praying Christian, aren't you? And I can't see into people's hearts. I don't, I don't judge people's hearts, but I, I'll just have to say that there have been some times that I've heard some prayers pray that I've kind of gone, oh, wait a minute. That was very entertaining. But was it more than that? And, and once again, it's not for me to judge somebody else. It's for me to judge me yeah. and, and, and understand that this is, this is me and you, God. Now, I do want to say one other thing about public prayer, and you might call this semi-public prayer. If you've got kids at home, they need to hear you praying. They need to hear you praying out loud. You know, not, not so that they'll go, wow, boy, daddy's a super Christian, but so that they'll learn how to pray. So that, so that they'll learn what it, what it is to, to commune with God. Um, and one, one last thing here, don't be intimidated by Powerful prayers. I think sometimes people don't pray, uh, or people are intimidated about praying because they'll hear, they will hear a prayer, and they'll go, I can't do that. You don't have to do that. 
You know, maybe maybe you don't have the lung power that somebody else has. And maybe you don't have an affliction in your voice that makes it waver. And you're just able to talk. 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 God's, God's good with that. He might even like that a whole lot. And beware of thinking that that the more words, the better. You may go, well, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't have, a, I don't know what to say. Well, you don't have to say a lot. Jesus said this: oh, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I think we have an omniscient God who who knows everything. Uh, and you may say, well, then why do I even have to pray? <laughs> Hello? Uh, I mean, not all of you are adults, but once, once you are and once you're a parent and once you have kids, there may be times that you know they need such and such, but you're not going to do it until they ask. Because that's part of, that's part of the relationship. That's part of that's part of the, the the process. Now, there's a balance here that needs to be acknowledged. In, in Luke 18, Jesus told a parable of a widow who got justice coming from an unjust judge because she was persistent. She 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 went to the judge. She wanted justice. He wasn't in the mood to give it to her. So she came back the next day. He still wasn't in the mood. She came back the next day. He still wasn't in the mood. It doesn't tell us how many days she came back, but she came back enough days that he finally went, this woman is wearing me out. I will give her justice. And it says, Jesus told this parable to show the disciples that they should always pray and not give up. And, and it, it doesn't mean that she was tedious. It doesn't mean that she was, I, I don't think he sat and listened to uh you know, four pages of dialogue or monologue every day. It means she was persistent. She was tenacious. I don't know how long my mom's prayers were for me when I was running from the Lord. Uh, They may have been long because, you know, my mom could do that. And usually she did go in the inner room and close the door when when she was doing it. I don't know how long they were. But I know they were every day for years. Every day for years. We we pray for something, and we prayed for it yesterday, and it didn't happen. So today we'll try something else. Some of the most powerful prayers in Scripture are also some of the most brief Matthew tells us about Jesus walking on the water, and he said, Peter got out and started walking on the water too for a while. And then he began to sink, and he started praying. Lord, save me. Yeah. (laughs) And it worked. Three words. Saved that man's life. Doesn't take a lot. I think they were probably from the heart. I think they were probably heartfelt. Jesus also told a parable of two guys who had gone to the temple to pray, and one of them them prayed a long prayer about how wonderful he was. Oh, God, I thank you that I'm so wonderful. 
I, I thank you that I'm better looking than these people. I thank you that I'm I'm a better I'm a better servant of you than these people. I do all this. See my merit badges, God. And one guy prayed a very short prayer. God have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. He didn't have to explain to God what the sins were. He didn't have to explain to God why he should be forgiven. He didn't have to convince God of how sorry he was. He was just there. And he said, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. And Jesus said, that man went home justified. The other one didn't. That one did. One other thing, beware of praying from wrong motives. Uh, uh, Scott touched on this some in the in, in the giving and the offering. Obviously, some prayers are not answered, regardless of the faith of the person involved, because the motives are wrong. Uh, James said, we read it, when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, it isn't wrong to ask for what you want. It's not wrong to ask for what you want, but check your heart. Check your heart. Because you see, one person can ask for a, 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 a new car, and it'd be totally fine. God may go, I've been wanting to give you a new car. I'm glad you finally asked so that you'd know where it came from. And somebody else can ask for a new car, and God's going, oh, yeah. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I've got to prove that you're, I told them you'd do it. God's going, you told me. Who told you? One person may ask for a new job, and God may go, yes. I've been, you, I've been waiting for you to ask me so that I can, so that I can bless you. With a, with a better job and, and just been away. And the other, and another person can ask for a new job and God can go, you ain't done what I told you to do in this job yet. You haven't finished your, you haven't finished your assignment here yet. God doesn't use ain't, I don't think, but I just did. Uh, you know, you haven't finished your assignment here yet. Why, why, why do you want a new job? Well, I don't like this one. Oh, cry me a river. Check, check your there. And in fact, and I, I know that because I've been, I've been both of those guys. You know, I've, I've been this guy. And, and before I could become this guy, God had to go get your attitude right. Get your heart right. And then we'll talk. Also understand God doesn't have anything to prove. To you, Not, nothing whatsoever to prove to you. Oh God, you know if you love me, God, what do you mean if He loves you? He sent His Son to die on a cross for you. What more can He do besides that? Of course He loves you. I love my grandkids. I don't give them everything they want because I love them. I gave my kids even less. I guess, I don't know if I loved them more or, or what, what the deal was. Same, same motivation there. <laughs> and some people, you know, some people go, well, God, if you'll just do such and such, then I'll believe that you're real. That is so bogus. 
God, he shows each of us what we need to believe. He does. And Paul says over in Romans, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Now, having said all that, having put those caveats there, check your heart. Don't have to worry about it being a lot of words, but you do need to be persistent. Don't do it for show. Having those caveats there, let me say this. Let me close with this. Ask. Ask. James says you do not have because you do not ask God. Prayer prayer isn't just asking for things, but it's a component of prayer and one that we're culturally inclined to overlook. Have you ever heard anyone say, or maybe have you said, I hate to ask? Because we do. We do. That's that's our nature. That's that's our and we tend to look down on on people who who don't seem to hate to ask or hate enough to ask. Yeah. But God says, ask. You know, the reason you don't have is is because you don't ask. Um is Chris still in is Chris in here? Chris Mincy? Most of you know who Chris. Yeah. Hey Chris, you stand up just a second. That's Chris Mincy, for those who don't know him. You can sit back down now if you want to. When, when I first met Chris, he was, he was 11 years old, and this is when I first came to pastor here. And um, we, um, he, he was 11 years old, and I remember going several times over the years to him in the hospital uh, to see him in the hospital, and he wasn't supposed to be getting out of the hospital each of those times. Uh, and he was not supposed to live to be uh, uh, out of his teens. Uh, how old are you, Chris? What? 38? He's pushing 40, guys. Now, here's the thing. This is what I want. This is the point that I want to make. You'll see Chris almost every Sunday down here being prayed for. And you kind of go, what's up with that guy? You know, well, it's his knee this week. You know, it's maybe his kidneys one week. Maybe he's had a little fever or something the other week. It's, it's a number of things. It comes every week. You know what? He's alive. He, he's tenacious. You know, we give up. We kind of go, oh, I, I asked for that. Didn't happen. You know, I, I, well, I guess God isn't real or whatever. No. You keep going. One, one last thing I want to close with and, I think you'll like this. This uh, is a Christian merit badge. At least it was back in the 70s. This is a, uh, a bona fide, genuine, original, Jesus freak Bible. Bought it in 1975, right after I came to the Lord. And, uh, and then some friends of mine gave me the cover for Christmas. And this just isn't any old cover. This cover has snaps on it. It's genuine leather. There's no bonded cardboard stuff in this. It's got a cross on it. It's got the fire of the Holy Ghost and the glory beams. It's, I mean, seriously, you walked around with one of these in the 70s. People knew what you were about. And so I did. Of course, you also needed the cross. It was at least, you know, like eight inches. Yeah. 
Here we go. I lost it. I lost it. And I remember coming home. To, we were trying to figure out what year it was. It was probably 1980. It's probably 79, 80, something like that. I lost it. Came on, Margaret, I've lost my Bible. Boy, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I had some other Bibles, but this is the Bible. Okay? It's got all my writing in it, not just Paul and Moses and those people. Ronnie's writing is in this thing as well. And... uh so I've, I've lost, and we turned the house upside down, and we 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 cleaned out the car. I cleaned out the car. I look, you know, looked under the seats. Got, give me the flashlight. You know, everything. Uh, did that more than once, and we finally, we finally went. You know what? We're Jesus freaks. Let's just ask for an angel. Go find that thing. So you know, we prayed together. God, you know, if you got an angel, it's not doing anything right now. We don't know. We can't find this Bible. Next morning, I went out to the car. It's laying on the back seat. Now, you can believe that or not believe that. I don't care. I mean, I was there. I'm telling you, telling you what it, what it was and what happened. Now, have there been other things that I've prayed for that didn't get found? The golf course is full of golf balls <laughs> over here. And I, and I think maybe the motives weren't right. I don't know. <laughs> oh. And some other stuff as well. And I don't know why. But I know he did this. Ask. Ask. I don't go into a store anymore without going, God, help me to buy what I ought to buy and not buy what I shouldn't buy. And say, well, does that work? Well, I got money in the bank from not buying what I shouldn't buy. Amen. You know, <laughs> I, I think there's a thing going on down here. <laughs> a little counseling. <laughs> ask. I hate to ask. Ask. Invite him into your life. And you're walking around every day, day by day, moment by moment, existence. Because he'll take existence and turn it into life. Would you stand with me? With those who are going to pray with people, come forward today. And uh, the operative word, if you need to come, is... Ask. Come. I, I talked with a with a fellow this weekend who uh, he comes to church occasionally, and you know. And I was talking with him. He's gone through some stuff, and he said, "You know, there are times that I'm just there, and I and I and I and I really want to go. I mean, I got this knot in my throat, and I and I just really want to go, but I've I've just never gone down front." If you need something, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm, if I walk down there, everybody's going to know what a terrible person I am. That's a lie. If you need something, you come. If you don't need to come for prayer, worship with us for a few moments. We'll uh, create an atmosphere to help those who do.